This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. What's going on, guys and girls? It's Knife Talk, podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, DIYers, makers, sculptors, woodworkers, metalworkers. It don't matter. Cypriots. Anybody. Cip- well, Cypress in the morning, maybe not for you, but that's fine. <laughs> I'm Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. I'm here with Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. And our third person, our main man, Mareko Momasi, is not here this week. He is in Hawaii mm. making making beautiful knives with uh, Neil Kamimura and you making it happen. And we're going to cover for him. Craig, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's been a really, really busy week. And um, it's getting to a busier weekend. I, I get on a flight tomorrow back to the UK um, for a few days. So really, really busy. So I mean, I know we've got lots to get on with in the show today. So shall we just, shall we just crack I'm on? In a, just to let you know, I'm in an awesome mood. I was in a terrible mood. Terrible mood. Why is that? I have that? to tell you. Why? It, I have wh- to tell you. Okay. Because you can relate. <laughs> it's in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden I hear a noise. Right? You don't have a screaming 10-month-old baby in bed with you, surely. No, just, no, just <laughs> like a, a little noise. Okay. And then I hear, I hear, what's that? What's that? And then my wife is like up, and she goes, what is that? And then I hear, oh. Dad, dad, oh. come downstairs. What's up? What's up? I think we have a mouse. Oh. And and my wife is like, I, is mortified. My mm. wife is mortified. Yeah. The dogs wake up. My daughter's up. It's two o'clock in the morning. Both dogs are like, what's going on? You know, they look like, what's going? Why is everybody? Yeah, what's going on? Everybody's up. And then there's another noise. The sound of our cat snoring. Mm. Fucking snoring. Like, where the goddamn hell is the cat? The cat's under the bed like this. This thing is bred to kill mice and has taken a nap. This goddamn... I, I, first, Hillary says, Hillary goes, where's Jerry? And I'm like, I don't know where's Jerry. And, you know, so blah, 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 blah. It's like, we're all up now. The fucking cat is, like, nowhere to be found. And then I had to... Pro- and then everyone just... All right, so I, we problem-solved the situation, took care of some issues... We're in, I was in a lousy mood. I felt like, because my kid's yelling for me to help. You know, sad. Hmm. You know, she wants me to help. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just like, what am I going to do? Cats on the floor. And the dog, and the mice are on the floor. What am I going to do? We took care of it, right? I'm in a terrible mood, terrible mood. And today, I figured out two systems in place for the new set of knives that I'm like, and these are the most minor details, minor details of the construction of, new, of these new knives. And I'm so goddamn happy about just the idea of figuring out a way to make a system in place that's going to make production easier. I'm like on cloud nine. I've never been this happy about something as stupid as a couple rubber bands. I was going to say, does this involve the rubber bands that I saw online? Well, here's the thing. So, yeah. So one of the things we talk about on on, on Knife Talk is during construction, you just don't want to have to like wrestle things. Like don't re- I my old my old uh, my old lead the lead guy at a metal shop used to say to me don't fight the clamps, don't fi- like if something's hot and you're putting in a jig and you you don't have the the, the clamps aren't right he would say don't fight the clamps yeah. so I've been for my for rest of my life I've been saying don't fight the clamps when you're gluing things up and you're trying to wrestle the clamps it's the worst 
And I was trying to figure out the best way that I could glue these hidden tang, these, I'm calling them hidden tang, I'm calling them frame, framed tang knives. Because oh, okay. I'm, I'm making these frame. And I'm trying to figure out a goddamn, I got these pipe clamps and I got wood and I'm making spacers and I'm making all this bullshit. I got clamps all over the place. I'm like, I got to buy another 20 clamps. I figured out that if I just keep my dowels long in the glue up, dowels aren't connected to the tang at all. Mm. I can loop. I can loop. A, I can use it as they're long with the rubber bands, and it holds everything down. And I only need one clamp. And I was like, "I'm telling you, dude, sit." I've changed the whole course of my day. Hmm. Whole course. So they're like they're using them as like an step. anchor to put to put right. The, right. Okay. Yeah. So that so the pins the, the the pins are hanging out low, and they're not. They're like someone said. Well, if you're using pins, well, what do you need to? I've been trying my best to use Corby bolts in order to kind of secure everything so it wouldn't need clamps. Like, uh, Tomer Botner doesn't need clamps when he puts on his, when he puts on uh, his, his handles because that, that nut, that cap on the, on the end is threaded and then that threaded, you know, you tighten it down pulls and it down. makes, yeah. Yeah. right, pulls, it holds everything together. And same thing, Mareko, same thing. You know, guys who are using, you know, like a, a pommel cap or something like that is holding everything down. Well, I'm not doing that. And it's too, I'm not going all the way through. So, I mean, it's like that easy. And this whole thing's changed the course of the way I feel about it. And it's like, the, I found some rubber, I was walking the dogs, wherever the postal guy, you know, delivers his, you know, post, there's a pile of rubber bands on the ground. I just grab them off the ground. I don't try it with these. Mm. And I used it today and I was just like, I'm in great mood. Good, so good, good. You good, get good, nothing good, good. but positivity from me today. Yeah. So the black handles with the is yep. it red orange and what, well, what are the colors that you use in this so, year? all right so a, a, a number I, all these different things i've been you know playing with for years and i did one set of color lab handles it was a it was a black handled knife with this set of stripes and then i threw in some like like green you know green uh dowels mm. and it gave me this kind of whole thing of like this cosmic situation. Like sometimes like, I don't know what talking about it. Yeah. Well, kind of like dark side of the moon, but I mean, you can like with the colors and stuff like you, you can kind of create a vibe. And to me, it was very much there. These I've been like fucking around with the cosmos for a long time in terms of, I've been fucking around with the cosmos. There's your fucking. That is the most. That is the most obnoxious thing I think I've ever said in my entire life. I've been fucking around with the cosmos. The most podcast thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) What is this? A fucking Joe Rogan experience? For Christ's sakes. I'm it's fucking around with the cosmos. you've been on. That's what it is. That is the t-shirt of t-shirts, P.S. <laughs> I've been fucking around with the cosmos, and here's what I found. But you can kind of create this weird vibe. And when you're using black and you have all these colors, especially with stripes, there's this kind of like, you know, comedy thing going and little rings of Saturn, all that. Mm. So Tony and I made a pile of these different colors and stuff like that, and I was fooling around with some bright stuff. And this, I said this year it would be nice to kind of like drop back and have something simple. So we came up with this thing, and... Tony and I really liked it. Came up with a name for this color lab. It's called Cosmic Drift. Nice. And I'm fucking awesome. I'm so pumped. And it's it's a, it's the departure is so fun because it's not like I'm just doing different color, doing the like eight inch K tips or doing the full tag knives. No, everything's gonna be uh, the for the new stuff that I'm doing is gonna be all hidden tang knives. So my I have to create a whole new like 
pathway to construction and I'm just it's been so much fun to problem solve the best way to do it and I'm just like I'm so pumped it's cool so pumped. it's cool it's cool like that cryo you, there's a, like you said there's a system there so you can just that can be happening when you do another stuff that I love it I love it the, I, I, I tell you what that is the best part about being a maker it's it isn't the final it ain't ever the final I mean I talked to Jimmy Duresti he says the finishing is always the best not for me man figuring out how to do it and get into a flow state and finding out these efficiencies. Like I got four grinders. Every different grinder has a different attachment on them. Mm. I'm going down the line, one to the next. And it's just like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. And you create this, you can create these efficiencies that creates this satisfaction in you. And you're like fucking around with the cosmos. You're fired up. <laughs> I'm a fucking, fuck that mouse. I don't give a fuck about that goddamn mouse. The cat can kick his own, kiss his own ass too. Probably does. Well, look, we've got lots to get on with. I know we've got new sections. We've got all sorts. And there's only me and you. So I'm going to run through a couple of sponsors before we go any further. Do it. Uh, first off. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, Knife Talk. Whoa. Go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat. And, and I've got that uh, link down in the bio as well. And that will take you to Salt Ceramics. And they are distributors of Even Heats. They've got some already built up. Um, you'll get $75 off the list price. And you'll also get free shipping in the US. So make sure you click that link down in the bio. Um, also going to tell you about Texas Fire Supply. TexasFireSupply.com. They've got everything you could possibly need as a maker, whether you're a knife maker, a bladesmith, whatever you want to call yourself, even farriers. They've got everything for you, including Indasa Rhino Wet, which is the stuff that, I mean, the three of us use all the time. If, you use, if you're doing any sort of hand sanding, you're better off using Indasa Rhino Wet, seriously. And they sell it there at Texas Farrier Supply. And if you put in Knife Talk 10, you'll get 10% off your whole order. So anything you put in the cart, you'll get 10% off the whole order. So go take a look, Texas Farrier Supply. Dot com. Okay, okay, let's do some questions. Um, we've got lots of questions from people. They've been DMing us on Instagram. We are Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. And the first is from Dupree Knives. He says, what are your thoughts on AI-generated images and art? And should it be considered art at all? Um, is it AI just another tool like a CNC machine, or does it completely remove the maker from the creation? If you're looking for some examples, take a look at the images created by the AI called um, a mid journey. Um, this is very relevant for me at the moment, actually, because yeah. I've been speaking a lot with my wife, who's she's been using this AI, AI tool for the, this for her work, and it's like a writing tool, and it's unbelievable. You tell it what you want it to write, in what sort of style, what in what emotions you want to convey, and it spits out this like amazing stuff, and it's just like. Oh, geez. And I'm hearing about, you know, people writing songs using it and stuff now as well. And you're thinking, is this the death of creativity? And the thing is, the barrier to entry is so simple. I mean, he's mentioned here, is, is it like using CNC machine? It's not because that's a whole skill that you need to learn. And, you know, a hell of a skill to learn as well if you learn to use CNC machines. Um, but these AI generated, whether it's images or music or words... It's sim you literally just type what you want. The, the barrier to entry is so, so simple. And the thing is, because the result is different every time, people can't actually tell that it's AI generated. Because, I mean, if you were to Google it, for example, it's not as if it's like there's a past paper that's up there. They can see, oh, you've taken it from there. It generated on the fly every, so every time. It's completely different. It's, it's a little scary. It's a little scary. And I think, ugh. 
it's you know it's good to see this kind of intelligence that you know that we can make things do what we want them to do but it is removing creativity it really is and it is it is a bit of a worry um it's what, it's interesting thinking of oh sorry no no Salim, what are your thoughts on it because we haven't really mentioned this kind of stuff before it's what's interesting is is we think about like all the different levels of of what a lot of knife makers would refer to as cheating mm, yeah and I think that what's interesting is, is you can use technology and you can just say, okay, well, here's a perfect example. Like you, when we were, you and I were kids, our teacher says you, you won't ever have a, you know, you most likely, you better learn math because you probably won't have a calculator on you all the time. Mm, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's, some, I mean, now we're like, I mean, come on. I mean, it's like, yeah, of course we do. And there are different levels of, of innovation that are helpful, you know. Like, perfect example is um, I'm trying to do these curves on the, on the spine of a knife. Mm. And you can't, with a 2x72 belt, it's hard to make it, you know, make a curve. So sometimes in order to get, the, to get it rounded on the inside, you know what I'm talking about? On the about? inside, the, the undergrip, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, on the inside, well, more or less. You, you have, sometimes you have to use a hand file and just try to look for, you know, in your mind, you should say, okay, I need to, I need to make sure that the, the lowest spot is the not a flat spot. I don't have this in file, whatever, you know, grinders and stuff. But if you had like a laser jet, you could, you know, you could use CAD and then you could put one line, another line, and then you could create that arc perfectly, right? Yeah. So it's almost like taking away a lot of that hardship of like, how do we make sure there are no kinks in this line, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. But you're right. AI is a totally different situation because it's like you're you're it's trying the whole idea of even calling it AI is that it's like somebody it's pushing along an idea that you've already had or kind of had and it's using, you know, whatever it's using to make it happen. I, I frankly, I'm not a fan. And I know that there had been some posts and Amreco had mentioned, too, that there was some of these AI generated images are like stealing. That's, I don't know if it's stealing, but just like using artists, original ideas and kind of like, yeah. Right? Something like that. Yeah. And the, there's going to be some sort of fallback to this as well, because all of these AI tools, they all explicitly say that they own the, the copyright to whatever it, it uh, generates. Um, so when you're seeing people making, whether it's art or whether they're using it to write lyrics to a song, um, these people are going to be getting their money back one day because they've invested so much money into this. And this right. this is how they're going to get their money. They own the IP to everything. They own the, the, the copyright to what's being generated. So it's fine to play with, but when you start using that sort of commercially and making money off the back of what that's generated, they're going to want their piece of flesh at some point. So, yeah, it it is a really strange one. And, you know, I can see how he's liking it to sort of CNC because it's... It's 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 taking a different route. It's not it's not right. taking the traditional route, um, but I mean I, you know I I get stuff laser cut and water jet cut and I, I know yeah, you, but it's you not do cre- as well. It's not adding creativity. It's not, and it's a completely different skill that you need to learn to do it. You know, it's like using a, a, a different machine, whether you get a, a different grinder with a different attachment. It's using a different machine. Um, but I would imagine that it does use algorithms of information that's already out there. The AI systems certainly do. Oh yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they'll, you know, they'll if you if you, if you're looking to generate an image, for example, um, in the background, they'll do like a Google image search, and they'll find you know ten thousand images of something, and they'll they won't take bits of them, but they'll they look at the characteristics of those images and then apply them to what it's going to generate. Um, yeah, so it's 
it is i i do find it really interesting but at the same time as somebody who you know basically my my income comes from being creative um and if there's going to be tools which can let anybody do that it it is a bit worrying it really is can i say something respectfully yeah to sure. our audience and i'm talking to you but i'm probably going to allude to some of our audience okay <laughs> Have you? <laughs> I'm saying this respectfully. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, I wonder if he's talking about me, probably am. Respectfully, have you noticed that the people who do the AI of themselves is a specific type of person? I haven't you know seen saying? anybody do that. No. There's, I got a couple of knuckleheads on Facebook who have inserted themselves into AI art generator. Okay. And they <laughs> right. come back like like a character from Dune or something oh, like geez. that. Or some a Knight of the Realm. fiction. Yeah, they're like <laughs> gorgeous and they're, you know, it's usually there's some like goggles on their head or, uh, you know, like, a, you know, Caesar's wreath of laurels and there's like, it's all of a sudden they're like off the cover of some science fiction magazine. Mm. And I love how I have one, I have a couple goofballs who just are so proud of it. And they're just like, <laughs> this isn't you, you fucking dork. This is like... Like, this is, but they like all of a sudden it's just like oh they they all have these scarves and their hair is perfect and it's like having a filter on but it's another level it's another oh, level to that. Yeah. and there's a specific person who's like holding on to it like look what I look like it's like no you don't really look like that you fucking wacko <laughs> idiot yeah. so yeah. Res- <laughs> respectfully the audience will be like oh, I did that I'm like I'm not talking about you I'm talking about a couple specific people and I'm not talking about our listeners of course of course but look if if you know, if you're going to use something to uh, make your work better, I'm all for that. Um, but when it takes away creativity, I'm not. Um, which leads me very nicely onto a new sponsor we've got. Oh, um, let's hear about so it. So we just mentioned that I, I often get stuff laser cut and water jet cut out, um, particularly if I'm doing batches because it saves time. Um, but that does require a skill. It requires a skill of using sort of 2D software to, to design that. Um, and we, we've used these guys in the past, knifeprint.com. Um, they've got a brand new editor. So if anybody's used knifeprint.com before, or if you haven't, you don't know what it is, um, it's an online 2D CAD system where you can design knives, and they've got special tools, especially for knives. You can design knives. If you've never done any sort of CAD before, there's a whole sort of uh, learning center where you can learn how to do it. It's super, super simple. But what's great about KnifePrint is they've partnered up with different people around the world who can then get it cut out for you, whether it's laser or water jet. Um, so you can see exactly how it'll look. It'll render the image for you in sort of 3D, so you can see how it would look when it's cut out. Say what steel you want, how many you want, the thickness. Press print as if you're printing a document on your, on your, on your laptop. Um, and in the post, you'll get these, these bits of steel perfectly cut out to the exact dimensions of, of, your, of the drawing that you've done you know, using their editor. Um, so go take a look, knifeprint.com. I know they're working really hard on version two of their editor at the moment, um, but you can try it for free. There's nothing to lose. Uh, go take a look. Um, they're good guys too. It's a father and son, uh, and they're building this together. Knifeprint.com. Go take a look. Look at that. Look at that. There we go. It is amazing. It is. It really is amazing. And, and if you, if you've never done any sort of CAD before, this is the perfect system because you don't need to download any software. There's no sort of licensing because some of this CAD stuff is pretty, pretty expensive. Uh, but this isn't. And there's a whole learning center you can use for free and learn how to do it. So, yeah, go take a look. Knifeprint.com. Perfect. Perfect. Do you want to take the next question? 
Yes, sir. Diego Le Pen, our old friend from uh, Italy, says Diego Le Pen. Hell, hey guys, I have a long question. I have a question for you. Sorry, Jeff, it's too <laughs> it is, long. It is a long question. Yes. All right, I'll get through it. Uh, how do you feel about makers putting the emphasis on the materials rather than the quality of their work? As an example of my little niche, I'm a leather worker, and I've been seeing a wave of new guys since the pandemic, most, uh, mostly with marketing backgrounds, making extremely simple stuff, i.e. card holders and keychains. They all look exactly the same, but they don't. Uh, but they sell them at exorbitant prices, justifying the cost of materials they use, uh, be it exotics like crocodile or snakeskin or stingray or the extremely expensive shell cordovan. I don't know what that is. Uh, but fine. <laughs> it seems to me that um, this is taking away from the focus of the craftsmanship, uh, putting at a disadvantage crafters using less expensive materials but creating far better items in terms of quality just because their uh, product is seen as worse by the common buyer given the cost difference. So emphasizing mm. material cost that, uh, rather than the quality of the product. What do you think? Yeah, I, that's a difficult one, that, because... I don't think you can blame people for marketing their stuff well, um, because that that's part that's part of the gig, you know. If you right. if you're an independent maker, you need to market your stuff, and we see lots of people. I'm not saying Diego is, but we see lots of people getting really salty about other people marketing better than them, so they'll try and pick and pick at their work instead. Um, I think, look, if 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 the work isn't up to scratch, there's there's a problem. But if they're doing simple stuff and they're marketing it well and selling it at a good price, I mean, all power to them, I think, you know, um, and maybe we could take some lessons from people who are doing that. I'm not saying, you know, become snake oil salesman and, and you know, lie about what we're selling. Um, but I think if if we can market them and sell them, well, that's that's what we're, that's what we're here to do, surely. There is something similar in the knife making game where... <laughs> One of the things and we've talked about, it, and I, I've completely changed my opinion on it, and I'm completely for it, is, you know, there's a very cart-before-the-horse attitude of, well, you know, I can, I'm doing okay, but if I make this material out of, you know, carbons, uh, out of, um, you know, Damascus or something like that, my price goes up. And, you know, you're seeing, and, I, and I've changed, before I was just like, uh, don't do it, you know, master what you, you know, get good at what you're doing, but now I'm just like, you know what? Do it. If you can do it, do it. Mm. And I think that that concept of like if a guy had a if, if you had a basic I could understand that if you were getting into leatherworking and you would say to yourself, I'm getting pretty good at this card holder. And if I just use a little bit of this, you know, alligator cloaca or whatever, whatever you know, they, people say, you know, the people sell that people sound like, you know, marketing, they're using an alligator asshole or something. Oh, like jeez, <laughs> You know, God. they're using a very specific part of the, the alligator where oh. it's like, this is it. Only one. There's only one asshole in this alligator. And you're gonna get this <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it's just like, there's only so much of it. There's only, you know, leather's leather. Yeah. But if you had a cow asshole, all of a sudden, that would be like as a selling point because yeah, well, there's only one. Everybody's trying to sort of, uh, you know, show something different. I think that we've mentioned in the past as well that we often get, you know, requests to add, um, you know, the grandma's pubic hair into the handle. Or just something, <laughs> something ridiculous. Whoa, something got rid that one? You know, something, I have not that one specifically. You've but, got you know. that one too, I should say. <laughs> but, you know, we often get these strange requests and I think – it is people just wanting something different. And it actually, it reminds me of something that I sent you earlier today 
um, an ad I saw on Facebook. People making rings using human teeth. Like their relatives dead. It's unbelievable. Dead relatives' teeth. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. British teeth as well. Ugh. <laughs> but, oh, uh, God. It's, it's so, I mean, I, I can understand. Like, I was joking about that. I was joking about the, you know, the alligator asshole but it's hmm. true i mean it is not i'm not i'm not really joking but the fact is, is all of a sudden you've made not only is the alligator skin more exclusive but each one only has one asshole yeah. so it's like it all of a sudden it, like the price goes up because it's like <laughs> just one very specific part of the alligator skin yeah. and i think that it's like you know what if you're in if you're a small business person and then that makes it happen and alligator assholes are your market fucking <laughs> Cut them alligators up and stretch them assholes out. <laughs> but I don't I mean, understand. The whole, there's no, the hole is the, the zero part, isn't it? There's nothing in. There's no... <laughs> <laughs> that's, where the, that's where you stick the cards or the coins or something. But I'm not even kidding. Like, I'm not even. I wish I was making this up, but it's 100% true. Stingray dicks and all that stuff. It's all. It's all. I mean, it's a selling, it's a high selling point. Exotic Sorry. materials, yeah, okay. Erotic materials, maybe. Well, I mean, it's more exclusive because there's only one. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like beef cheeks. If you go out for, <laughs> if you go out for dinner, <laughs> I'm just saying. You know what I'm talking about? I I'm know not, what you're talking about. It's an about. American yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, in when I was growing up in Ohio, while I was in college in Ohio, we would fish for walleye. It's a very specific fish. But one of the big things is you would go out for cheeks walleye mm. cheeks and you cut this little tiny nugget out and it was very very advantageous because only two of them you yeah. know or like the oyster on a chicken, chicken yeah, yeah very yeah. very specific well there you go <laughs> diego i say you know you heard from me man get them get, get some of them assholes <laughs> stretch them out and get yourself some of that tanning lotion or tanning bed or whatever the hell you make that leather coin purses there you go Dan Pedersen Knives says, um, I've recently just bought a surface grinder and it's got the original stone wheels on the grinder. Would you re recommend converting the surface grinder to run belts or should I stick with the stones? Uh, what are the pros and cons? So before he, he wrote this and I asked him to kind of elaborate because I mm -hmm. wasn't sure what he was talking about. I thought, I, for some reason, I thought maybe he's talking about a branch grinder, but it's this big unit yeah. and it has uh, a magnetic chuck on the bottom and you put your steel on there and it has a wheel that's over it and then you can lower the wheel. Yeah, I got it. Kind of yeah. like a milling machine and you can kind of go back and forth to flatten the knife. Yeah. And it has like a... a, a, a a stone wheel like you would see on a bench grinder that you'd get a cheap bench grinder somewhere. Yeah, yeah. All right, so that's the that's the question. Should yeah, and, and I've seen lots of people converting these to belts as well. Um, I think if it's if it's currently running well and if the stone is dressed well, um, and I suppose that's the thing that the maintenance on that stone, you'd need some sort of dressing tool to keep it to keep it running well. Um, you know, keep using it until you can't, until it's not running well, and then then maybe consider uh, using belts. Um, I've only ever used one with, ones with belts, so I couldn't tell you. Um, but I know, you know, big industrial ones are generally using the stones. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. But I'd say if it's working, it's working. You know, don't don't change it. But um, yeah, I mean, have you used any of the stones before, Jeff? I've never used them before, but I, I have watched... Uh... Um, Jonathan Porter uh, t made one into one that runs on belts. Yeah, yeah. And he had he kind of made a CNC machine with with this uh, belt grinder, uh, and it's a I mean it's a it, with this with this surface grinder that he converted over with belts. 
And the cool thing about the belts is you can all of a sudden switch your grits. Mm. So you're not like married to whatever the stone grit is. Yeah. So yeah. like, you know, he's figured out a way, especially like I can imagine if you had a, a surface grinder, and I know that I've done this with the Broadbeck surface grinder, is if you pushed out, if you pushed up part of the part of the the if you kind of raised up um, where the edge would be, you can actually grind off your bevel. You can do a lot of the bevel work on the surface grinder. So like if you were to figure out a way to do that, you could probably, and if you didn't have a plunge line, you could probably figure out a way to do a satin finish with a surface grinder with different belts. Hmm. You know, you just shim out, you just shim out where the edge is, grind it all down on something, you know, coarse, and then finish it off with a, you know, 220 and bingo, bango, bongo. You would have, you'd be able to do your grinds and start your, satin finish yeah so i would i would go for that there we go okay um let's just take uh one or two more because i know we've got lots to get through uh chris adams um hey folks i've got a question for you i like light colored g10 and corby bolts um do you have any tips or tricks to keep the light g10 clean when sanding i find preventing the metal dust getting into the g10 a pain in the ass especially at higher grits um he said thanks and i like the show um, so what he's saying, I mean, as Jeff obviously knows, he uses a lot of G10, but G10 can be uh, sort of porous, so it can take on some of that. You know, when you do, when you when you're hand sanding uh, specifically, um, it can take on some of that sort of the debris, I suppose, and, and especially those lighter G10s. Oh. So what do you, Jeff? What do you do, Jeff? Apart from not use light color G10s? It's well, I did last year. I was using light color G10s all year. Yeah, I used a turquoise blue, and it was a. It you can't all of a sudden you have to be very aware of the cleanliness of your belts. Like I was using, I was trying to do as much grinding of the handles or sculpting of the handles or carving of the handles with belts, and I was using um, slack belts. And I had to be real careful on how high the grit was because the higher the grit was, the more the belt would pull some of the brass from the Corby mm. bolt and then embed it into the light colors. Yeah, and it almost so, smears it as well, doesn't it? It's, right, it's, yeah, right. it's a weird. So I was being very careful that I wouldn't go past with the belts. I wouldn't go past like... 400 I, I i would try to not i would 400 was the was the was the uh finest i would use because just because I, 800 which i love it just smears it and then making sure i'm using clean belts the whole time and then staying the fuck away from the the, the buffer unfortunately mm. because as soon as the buffer hits the brass corby it just yanks dirt everywhere like yeah. the i don't know something it oxidizes or or it just like starts it's so fine that it just kind of smears dirt all over the place so it's you got to keep everything clean and and uh, probably one of the reasons why I'm I'm sticking with the black G10 this year because I'm like I want to I want to lean on that I want to lean on that buffer like you would mm -hmm. believe yeah and and fresh belts too obviously help yeah um because they've got obviously more abrasive in them you're not smearing so much I will say this as well if you want to clean like I my wife says to me she's like when are you gonna start making white handles because I really do I would love to make white handles. White handles with red accent, I love it. I've done it before, and it's a fucking disaster because yeah. it's like you just touch it and it gets dirty. And I said to her, well, as soon as they figure out a way to make, you know, white easy to clean, you know, with a G10. What I did do when I had to use the white was I got blue Scotch-Brite scrubbies, which are meant for the kitchen, but they don't leave 
they don't leave uh, dirt. Mm-hmm. They don't leave. Uh, they don't scratch, so they won't put a satin finish on. I use that with soap and water a lot, and then I'm under the impression there's like a Mister Clean bleach gun or cleaner gun, cleaner pen that's supposed to be pretty good for that too. Mm-hmm. And I think what did, what did Mareko said about he was using some guitar cleaning guitar. Maybe that's his, this is, that's it. Yeah, fret, fret polishing. Um... A pro, like pads, basically, right. yeah, yeah. So pretty much like like Scotch Bright pads, yeah. Yeah, and then you know it sucks. Uh, it, you gotta just you gotta be real careful. Lots of belts. I mean, lots of like Windex and acetone doesn't do it all the time. And yeah, sucks. Yeah. Can we? Let's just do. Let's just do two more. Let's just do. Uh, let's do Dark State, and I want to do uh, BK BK Messer too. Okay. Um, okay. BK Messer is good ones. Just a sec, whilst we're on the subject of um, abrasives. Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! CombatAbrasives.com And if you're in Canada, you can also get Combat Abrasives from one of their distributors, um, which is MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Um, and they do more than combat abrasives. They do steel, they do belts, handle materials, tools, forges, kilns, and more. Uh, but yeah, they are the Canadian distributor for combat as well. Um, so go take a look. They also sell Rhino at Rhino Stick um, at MaritimeKnifeSupply.com, and they've got a similar deal with their belts too. So go take a look. I made a mistake. Let's save BK Messer for next week. Okay, yeah. Um, one of the reasons why we're so like high energy right now is because Craig's got to catch a flight. So <laughs> well, in the, in the morning, like, it's, it's, it's late here, but I need to get in the morning. So yeah, I need to get. We're hauling ass. We're hauling ass. So dark state forge says, and then we got a listener, good listener feedback too. Cool. Dark state forge says, here's a question. I'm trying, I'm trying to update my cookware and I've already gotten a high carbon steel pan on the way. What other pots and pans do you feel would be nice to have in a good home cooking experience? Size, style, ceramics, hex clad. Uh, maybe a good way to approach it would be if you could choose your top three to five, what styles, brands, and cookware would you recommend? All the best and suck shit. Ah, okay. I went through this last year. We've, we've always had cupboards full of old pans and shit and just, you know, terrible stuff. Um, but last year we just got rid of them all and we just bought like j- just just like one of each that we need. Um, right. So we've got uh, Le Creuset, all of them. So they're all... Um, Ceramic, so um, yeah. cast iron coated in ceramic with the sort of casseroles and the, the, the stuff that you put on the hob or maybe in the oven. And, and the pans are a, a basically a carbon steel pan, um, all the Crusade stuff. Um, all super, super heavy, and they just, they're just awesome, honestly. And rather than have 15 different pans, we've got now, we've got like maybe five, maybe six. Um, so most of them are used like every day as well. And they're, they're just amazing. They're just amazing. They they hold heat for ages as well. And that's always a good sign. When you turn everything off, if it just goes immediately cold. You just think, oh, geez, you know, they, they was thin and shit. Um, it's, in, my, in my mind, it's definitely worth spending that just that little bit more. They're not super, super expensive, um, but they'll last forever. And they just, it's just a joy to cook with. That's the that's the big pan, that's the bit like if we're doing a stew or something like that that's the one I use a little we say Le Creuset but Le Creuset yeah yeah so you, yeah so so the, they're generally known for their sort of casserole dishes you know that, that you right. put up on the top or into the oven but they also do pans as well like frying pans and that kind of thing too 
I have two pans I had since I was one I had in culinary school and I've had it ever since. And then we had another one. We had a all, I like the all clad stainless steel pans. I have a 12 inch stainless steel pan and I have a 12 inch Rondo. Rondo is like a, uh, it's like a saute pan, but it's got high sides. It's yeah. got like four inch sides. I, God damn it. I've had those two pans for, for like over 20 years and they are just dynamite. I, I love them. I, I think all clad makes dynamite stainless steel. Um, I hear great things about what John Medellin's doing um, with those carbon steel uh, pans. I know that uh, I've seen one in person. They look awesome. Uh, someday maybe I'll get one. Who mm. knows? Yeah. But, uh, I love the, I love, I'm a big fan of those all clad. They, they'd last forever. Um, and I, I'll want every few years I'll get a inexpensive nonstick pan. And then I'll just like I don't disappointed with it a month later every time. No, I mean if I mean we've had we've had a couple we've they've lasted like three or four years and I'm not paying a lot for them and uh, nonstick is nice to have you know mm. nonstick is nice to have so uh, and then you know get yourself a good uh, yeah that's it we hit it all yeah yeah and whatever you get make sure even the pans can be put into the oven as well so none of these plastic handled pieces of shit. You and I tell you one it. thing, I have gotten all my wooden spoons from B- Boot Hill Kitchen. Mm. Jared Thatcher's wife. I've uh, got makes, one. Yes. Yeah. They're the, the they're awesome. The I get the spatula. The spatula is the word. It's that sort of teardrop shape so you can get into the corners of the pan. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. But she makes I got a couple of them. I've used I've sent them as gifts. Uh uh yeah, the Boot Hill Kitchen makes awesome kitchenware. Cool. So. Cool. Okay, let's just do one more then. Uh, where are we? Where are we? Uh, Paul Jansen. Um, here's a question for you. What's the best way to drift a hole in the handle without having the backside of the hole blow out? Um, I've used a chisel to cut, uh, then a drift punch to widen, and then my anvil horn to round out, but there's always a part that looks like shrap- shrapnel got blown out the back. Right. Is that a secret to this, or do I just suck at it? Um, I do use the hardy hole and the smaller round hole in the anvil too. Punching holes has become for me one of my favorite things to do when I'm making bottle openers because there's a system involved. And a lot of it has to do with the management of the heat. And I'm going to do it quick so we can kind of move through it. But when you're punching a hole, a lot of people just think you're just driving through like a center punch through, and it's not the case. Your 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 punch is is flat, but it's not... 90 degrees from the taper it's like it's like it's like at an angle and what the the reason why it's an angle is because you want it to cut you want to shear right so -hmm. if it was flat so what you what i do is i'll 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 make it i'll bump it flat on the grinder and then i'll maybe i'll just dress it so the edges are very crisp but it's not a 90 degrees it's like a very subtle angle so the first thing you do is you have your 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 steel on the flat of the the, the uh, of the anvil, or maybe you might want to have an aluminum plate just because you don't want to be um, gouging in your anvil. Yeah. And then you have a little bit of water. So the first thing you do is you get that you know you mark where your hole is going to be, and then you get it in the forge, you get it hot, you get your drift there, and do yourself a favor, get a soft hammer. Don't be using your forging hammer to drive drifts. That's like that's a, that's day one shit. Don't do it because it's going to you know gall up your hammer. You get your piece of steel down onto your aluminum plate, or your, or what if you feel good enough on your, you know, there's that uh, ledge on the side of the anvil that's usually also for the cutting, cutting shoulder, something like that. Mm. And then you drive, you drive, 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 drive until you feel the anvil underneath you, right? 
then you take off the, the punch and then you take a little bit of water on that, on that drift and drop a little bit of water into that hole. What's going to happen is you're creating this little disc. And as you're driving the punch, what's happening is, is you're compressing that piece of material so it's very, very thin. And the anvil or the whatever, the, your plate underneath it is sucking the heat out of that little plate. So you should have this little very crisp hole. You take a little bit of water, you drip a little bit of water on there, and then you let it cool and you, and you don't put it back in the forge. That's the, that's the number one problem. Mm. People put it back in the forge and you end up making bubble gum going back and forth. So you're sucking out that little disc. You flip it over. You can see this halo. You see where your thing is. You put the punch on that halo, and then you drive. You drive, 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 and then at the very end, you put it over the, you put it over the uh, hardy hole just to kind of knock that slug out. Knock it through. Yeah. The, the reason why you get a lot of, you're not a lot of times it's because you're not doing the initial punch long enough. You really want to get it cold. You want to get that little disc as cold as possible. So the drift will shear it when you flip it to the other side. Otherwise, you're going to get that, you know, like explosion. Oh, yeah. Right. And then the other thing is, is if you're driving it too deep into, you should only really need to drive it into the uh, hardy hole at the very end just to kind of fire it through and that your your um, drift is not hitting the anvil. So it's like kind of getting rid of that little slug. And if you're... Hardy hole has got is very crisp or it's fucked up. It's going to embed in the other other way too. But you, if you do it nice and easy, make sure that that disc is really kind of compressed and tight and cold. You want to you want to you want to shear the other set the other side when it's very cold because you'll shear out and not just kind of gum out. So I, mm, sorry that took makes a long sense. Time. Yeah, cool. But it, that's okay. I, it's great if you can do it. Usually you should be able to do it in one heat and it's it's very uh, satisfying. And then. As long as there's nothing around on the other side, you're not going to have like a lot of edging and stuff like that. Nice, nice, woo, nice one. Okay, you you prepare yourself, ready for our, our next bet. I'm going to tell everybody right. about Dharma Steel. Um, they're amazing. They make um, some of the best sort of stainless Damascus that's out there. Go take a look. Dharma Steel. Dot se. Um, they're Dharma Steel Lab on Instagram, so you can see the kind of stuff people are making with it. Um, really, really special stuff. Beautiful, beautiful patterns um, and easy to work with too so if you're looking to make that special piece go take a look darmasteel.se and if you use knife talk on checkout once you have your account you'll get 10 percent off your order too we're hauling ass we are Greg. what we're if we, we got something new jeff what have we got well we have listener feedback and we have our new bit um listener feedback will fit perfectly into the new bit um listener feedback if you're listening to the podcast you can interact with us by going to knife talk podcast on instagram and then you can send us your you know, list your feedback, your questions, DMs, you know, whatever. And in this one, in this case, we got some runoff beef. Runoff beef. <laughs> runoff. We got run for the All Beef Review a couple episodes ago was a big hit. We had a couple late squeezers, and we'll, we'll start. Well, I'm happy to take your If you got some runoff, some runoff. beef, ladies <laughs> If you got some runoff beef, ladies and gentlemen, send it in. I will read it in the listener feedback. This one comes from our friend Pioneer Road in Australia. Here's my beef. The cost of international shipping from the States to Australia. Thumbs down. Dude, yes. shipping internationally, now that we are uh, we know each other globally, shipping's got something got to happen because it's ridiculous. Yes. Ridiculous. We've had, we've had a Christmas of it where we've had people sending stuff over for the, you know, for the, the kids and so on. Um, and every time we're, they don't deliver to us. We just get a note saying we tried to deliver and it's like, well, you, you didn't even try. So we've got to go to the post office and they hit us with a bill. And it's like, well, this is 40 euros. 
And it's like, well, I don't know what it is yet. I don't even, right. you know, and they're like, well, we can't open it. Are you going to pay the 40 euros or not? End up paying the 40 euros for having some sort of 10 euro piece of shit, you know? And that's happened so many times. The whole <laughs> system's broken, broken, broken. I, I, people want, for us to send a t shirt to the UK, mm. just the t shirt, it's going to cost 40 bucks for shipping. Yeah. And we can't even guarantee that you're going to get it in three weeks. Yeah. No, and you can't. So who the fuck would pay for that yeah. the service if you can't? I mean, it's just like not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's uh, 22 miles between the UK and France. And getting stuff to or from the UK at the moment is just an absolute nightmare. And they're just making up costs. Every time it's different, it's, it's just ugh, terrible. terrible. I have a bad feeling that it's going to get worse. And I think a lot of it's going to be because of Amazon. And I'm I'm convinced. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. That the U.S. Postal Service, other postal services, UPS, FedEx, they're all slowly, slowly, they're not doing as much Amazon as Amazon is doing. Amazon, mm. yeah, they got yeah, their own yeah. fleet of fucking trucks. You oh, said yeah. it first, and then now all of a sudden, they're Amazon Prime trucks all over the place. Yeah. At some point, there's going to be a pile of fucking UPS drivers with not as much as they used to ship, yeah. and the prices are going to go up, guaranteed. Mm. And <laughs> for me to send something UPS from my my small town, which is like 20 miles from Manhattan... It's forty dollars for UPS. Yeah, and I know they're union guys, and God bless them. We know we know a number of the drivers, and we, I love them. But it's going to get worse. It's yeah. going to get worse. Yeah. Okay, Chris Rosendahl has a great question. You listener feedback and a question. A listener feedback. He says, "Can I ask you? Um, can I ask if some of the ABS community have been asked to be interviewed? I feel like Jerry Fisk would make a great interview." Dan Quisenberry, uh, Mike Quisenberry, or Smith Hand Forge Knives also are of interest. Basically, the early interview type podcasts were great, and I'd like to see some interviews as possible, as po- if possible. So, if you are a listener of you, if you're old school, you'll know that Craig started Knife Talk back in you know five years ago, five plus years ago. Yes, five six years. Yeah, yeah. And you started as a uh, interview show. It was, but what, I mean, what I found happened is you end up just asking the same old questions. I know everybody's got a different story, 
Um, but it gets quite repetitive, repetitive after a while. Um, but yeah, it would be interesting to do some. And I mean, quite often it's like, like today, Mareko can't be with us. So, we, you know, we also have the conversation, should we get somebody else in as well? Um, but an issue we have then is like the sound quality. We don't know what, we don't know what systems they use in. We don't know if they've got a mic and it, it can become a real sort of production. So yeah, it is quite difficult, but, um, yeah, I, we can give it some thought. Definitely. Definitely. It's what's interesting is, is also, I feel like ni- the knife talk immediate family of knife talk, uh, artisans of steel, that's Mareko's podcast and my podcast full blast have mm-hmm. kind of kind of we've all we've done a good job in terms of not being knife talk one two and three yeah yeah we we cover different ground yeah definitely and like Mareko gets a me i mean Mareko gets the best of the best and they're talking deep diving into you know steels and i know he's got a great one with um he's got all of them are, are like heavy duties i mean like top of the food chain and i get guys maybe we might not talk about we might not talk i i also see full blast and knife talk as getting people introduce into what we're doing so that's the hard part with knife with full blast is i'm trying to make sure that it sounds good and i I usually spend a lot of time in advance making sure that people sometimes i'll send microphones and stuff like that it can be tough and especially with three people and an interview with a fourth person Mm -hmm. sometimes it can be a little tough but we should you know we will definitely have more interviewers yeah by the way jeff i did listen to your full blast with jesse this week yeah. And um, you mentioned me in it. You said that I love getting in the comments and winding people up online. You do. I, I don't. <laughs> I, you I do. barely go online these days. Oh, well, you used to. You, <laughs> I used you to said on of, this podcast. I used, to, I used to have a bit of fun. Yeah, it got to the point where I'd had enough. And then I maybe had about six months of just, just like, yeah. But Isn't it nice to, like, stay out of the fray? It's lovely. Oh, it's, it's lovely. <laughs> it's like unbelievable. I, I, I've said this on, uh, I don't know, I said this on Knife Talk before. We got these like community pod, these community Facebook groups. And hmm. these people have, I don't think these people work. <laughs> like there are these threads about like what's going on, you know, like it could be like about a fire hydrant. Yeah. And it's like 45 people are talking about a specific fire hydrant and the color. I, I mean, it's like, do you people work? Yeah. I, I'm I'm stupefied, and I also have friends who like to fucking stir shit up, and I, I wonder what do you get out of that. So, but I just remember that you used to like you used to. I tell you, my favorite thing you did is we had one guy who was not a fan of what we were doing here, knife talk, and you beat the brakes off him, and then immediately afterwards blocked them. <laughs> that was like the hardest core move of all time. And then you reported them, and I was like, you were like, oh wow, okay, like fucking, you were good. So. <laughs> that's former me former me that was yeah former you all right well we might as well get into the new bit uh, let's do it yeah it. i'm excited let's do it all right so we're getting a lot of nice messages so basically the idea was the name of this new bit is why me why me why does this always happen to me because as knife makers there'll be something that we do and we know that maybe something's going wrong or not going wrong but we don't know why this is always happening so I thought what you could do is if you have a why me, why me, why does this always happen to me? And it could be not even a mistake. It could be like something that you just always do. And it's just the way it is. My mother, when she made scrambled eggs, they were always brown. Like Ooh. she just, and I don't, and I, and when I was younger, I didn't understand why. Like why Salt. they look like they're overcooked. Mm. You know, like that's it. Like it's not terrible. I mean, it wasn't great, but it was, 
But I mean, it was like, why, you know, why me, why me, why does this always happen to me? Yeah. And here comes the first one from EDC Gearhouse, who's one of our, he's an awesome, awesome dude, really uh, just sends a lot of stuff in. He goes, I don't know if this is Dilemma or if you guys can relate, but when I do an orange peel finish, the wire wheel on our bench grinder always manages to rape my hand harder <laughs> than a newbie at the state pen that was unfortunate but i understand yeah happens every time those wire can't wheels wear gloves like what'd you say those wire <laughs> wheels they're just yeah oh i thought like, you had one of them hard ones in there you're gonna give them a good one um and you can't wear gloves because i because it's just not the same so why how would you what's the <laughs> problem he says to his wife i can't wear gloves it's just not the same <laughs> <laughs> oh edc gearhouse you just got Lockwooded <laughs> what do you think uh so, sorry i was looking for the, the childish dick joke in there somewhere um, well i mean you know what, what was the what was the it, was, it wasn't really a question was it well it's it's something that always happens he has a hard time doing this wire wheel finish the the orange peel seems to me i would think that it's like kind of like a mirror finish but you're like almost raising it to create a texture mm. you're like almost like it's like a orange peel it's like you i know what you, i know what he's talking about yeah yeah and basically how do you use these wire wheels on a on a bench grinder and that won't uh i don't i don't i've used them once um and, I, and it was actually on a an angle grinder and um it was just the worst thing. You get this bits of wire coming out and like stabbing you in the leg. Yeah. It was just, it was horrible, horrible, that, horrible. That actually there there's a, there's a couple. What I was thinking we were talking about last week about buffers, and I was talking about when the guys and I used to do mirror mirror finish. Mm. We would we would screw everything down on a piece of wood, and then we would have a like a bar, just like maybe you know. All right, if we're using a piece of two by four, maybe the bar is, you know, th- you know had enough room that I could put the put the two by four between the bar and the wheel and I could kind of pull down the bar and then that would put the pressure up on the wheel. I would mm-hmm. think that something like that would be the move where if you could kind of mount something, mount your knife. I think he does I think EDC Gearhouse does a lot of restoration stuff. Yeah. So if you could figure out a way to mount it to a bar so your hands aren't there and then you can just kind of like go back and forth. I think that might be the move. But what you were saying too, you had mentioned something that I was thinking about as well. Have you ever thought about those the wire the braided wire wheels on a right angle grinder? <laughs> and I know what you're thinking. That's crazy. You can get them cup, you can get cups and then you yeah. can get the ninja stars, <laughs> the ones that are gonna, that are gonna, that are like a wheel, like a wheel. Yeah. If you figured out a way to hold some down and maybe put like a, if you could get one of them, uh, like a guard on it, maybe you could do that, and then you you can actually just hold the wire. The maybe that's a terrible idea. <laughs> mm. But um, I yeah. think getting I, your hands I, I away is the most important. Thing. Yeah. I, personally, those kind of finishes, I'm not into anyway. Because um, you're sort of trying to almost like mimic like something else, you know? And I, I, I don't know. It's if you're trying to hit, mimic sort of hammer marks and stuff, you know? I find it a bit strange. But um, yeah, personally, I, I just keep well away from wire wheels. Yeah, wire and, and there are every wire wheel is different. Um, the braided ones. And the other thing is, is if you get a, wire, a brand new wire wheel, that's like, you know, punji stick ninja time. I mean, there's like, I mean, that's when they start to fly. 
bring i always think especially on a, on a bench grinder they just like they just shoot like crazy um and on a on a wire cup wire cups on for grinders and stuff like that oh i always get their braided wheels because i feel like they don't shoot out as much but the the first few hours of use they're the most like you know flingy actually something happened when uh back in the day when carl was here i was using a white a right angle grinder this was crazy i think i even mentioned on knife talk it scared the living shit out of me one of those little wires flew out raised over the top of my the palm of my hand the top of my hand mm. went into my skin went through a vein oh right oh and and then i was like oh you know like you know you, you sometimes you'll get a wire in your in your shirt or something like that and you just take it out and you take it out and that's the end of it so i'm pulling out this wire out of the top of my hand and all of a sudden i had pierced the vein in the top of my hand and my hand my hand started filling up my, the top of my hand. It's a it gusha. Basic, not, not like, it wasn't like, I, of course I called my wife and she just started like asking me a million questions. But it just started filling up with blood in the top of my hand. And I and mm. I was like, it was like slowly, slowly filling up. I was watching the top of my hand like a water balloon. Oof. It was crazy. And then I called my I put, I immediately put my hand down on it and that kind of like, I don't know, squished it back in. I don't know what mm. the fuck. I mean, it, there was no blood. And I called my wife, and she asked to see if it was an art. Asked if it told me how what I would know if it was an artery or not. But it was those little. I mean, I had never seen anything like it, and it was like I was filling that top of my skin of my hand was filling up with blood. It was oh, bizarre. Well, there you go. That's that's <laughs> you know better than, better than a cloaca, I guess. But there we go. Paul Jansen says, "Why me? Why me? Does why does this always happen to me?" Here's a question for why me? Why me? Why does this always happen to me? I drill out pinholes. And I dry fit my handle scales with the pins through them. And everything lines up and fits like it's supposed to. Then when I wick up, mix up the epoxy and suddenly the pins don't fit right. And it's always a struggle to get everything to fit in, even though I just did it 30 seconds ago. Why me? <laughs> Why me? Why does this always happen to me? It's not just you, believe me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of those things. And I, I sometimes think, is it, is it the wood taking on the epoxy? Is it like, is it like shrinking or expanding? What's going on? But I, I don't know what it is. But uh... when I did pins, I would, I would, uh, my favorite thing to do because I hated that. I hated, I hated pins because of that same reason. Like I see guys um, doing those like knives with like coffin pins, and and I'm just like, how the fuck do they get? Because I've had that same situation. I almost feel like maybe if if the tang is tapered or the the knife isn't 100 percent, just that little bit of epoxy pushes everything out of hair mm. and then all of a sudden it, nothing fits right and then so what i started to do with the pins was i would take the pin make it extra long and then i put it in a drill gun and then i would bring it over to the grinder and then i would i would turn the drill gun on and then i would make a very very thin needle-like taper into the end of the yeah. pin <clears throat> So, and then when I was putting in the pins, I found that if I even drove the pins in with the cordless driver, that would help kind of snug them up. And that's what I was doing because it's the same thing. You know, you don't want to fuck around with that, that epoxy, but it's like maybe you're putting too much epoxy on. Maybe it's kind of pushing everything out of hair. It's a fucking drag. And that's why I don't do pins anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. <clears throat> All right. There you go. Yeah, but like you just said, actually, making sure that you put a sort of taper on the end of the pin 
massively helps massively because you don't you won't sort of splay the edge then and particularly if it's a tight one sometimes you maybe you might put a bit of wood on the end and use it like a hammer yeah, and tap them in slightly said. well yeah but the last thing you want is for that edge to splay because then you're, you're breaking a bigger hole you're boring a bigger hole in and then you've got more sort of slop in the middle so yeah i always take just take the edges off just ever so slightly A-O. just so it'll okay. find its way in and then ao again and um it's also can happen like I've actually, when I do the, um, when I do, I, I dry fit everything. I just did a, a bull elk with a, an overturned uh, ferrule, like a brass ferrule. Mm. What I do is I drill everything, and then I drill the ferrule too, fer- for the ferrule tube. Mm. And then after everything's dried up, I hit it again with the drill because sometimes something happens. I mean, sometimes little tiny things happen, and when you when, and then when I put the ferrule in, I put the I put the ferrule tube, the whole length of the tube in the in the drill, and I kind of slowly, slowly, kind of compress, drive it in. Mm. And sometimes when it hits the steel part, it'll it'll mushroom a little bit, and I got to be really wary about that. Yeah. But yeah, all that gluing and everything, it's not exact, exact all the time, and you have to figure out ways in which to. I mean, that's why they that's why they rivet over the tops because like you. You're fixing a little problem too. Yeah, yeah. You're giving that mechanical fixing too, but yeah, you're also fixing it. Yeah, makes sense. So there you go. Hmm. We have uh, we did all the we did some listener feedback. We did why me? Why does it always happen to me? We can do some more questions. We can do a weird news. We can go into the after show. I know you're 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 fixing the get this thing rolling we could do whatever you want let's do a question each again just one more question and then we can go to this is the most maybe some weird news in an after show this is the most efficient knife talk of all time this is value for money this is value for our listener this is we have we have told dick we had cloaca jokes which is not normal for us (laughs) (laughs) and we've had a couple cloaca jokes we've run through questions listener feedback why me, why me, and why does this always happen to me? And we're, we're still providing value. There you go. Extra value show. Okay. Um, do, 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 do. Where we go? Uh, B, save BK Messer for another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. Monks. This is a good one. Mr. You want me to Monks, get it? Or you, got it? You, you go for it. Yeah, go on. Mr. Monks says, Hi, chaps. I've been asked uh, to make a couple of oyster knives for a local oyster, a local restaurant owner. This is a first for me, so I was wondering if you could provide a few tips. Uh, preferred steel type hardness, one edge or two. Okay, um, no edges would be my preference. Um, think of them like pry bars. You're not cutting, um, so maybe even like a butter knife edge. You know, um, you don't want it to be brittle in any sort of way. So you don't need a sharp, sharp edge. You need just a, enough to get into get into that hinge, and then you know pry them open um but yeah i mean you make a lot more oyster knives than me what, what are your thoughts on this i'm gonna have alexander bull on full blast he's the guy who makes the titanium yes he's gonna have amazing him on amazing uh, yeah alexander bull a family of oyster guys it's gonna be interesting the oyster knife thing is fascinating to me because i've gone from one way to the another and then back to the original idea so what the original way i learned in culinary school to to make to open oysters was with the New Haven style oyster knife. And the New Haven style oyster knife is short, maybe like two and a half inches or three inches. It's got a kind of a curve on the end. And the reason why you have a curve on the end is a couple, well, I'll get to the curve. So what you do is you put, um, 
you put the oyster you put the i'm thinking about we have one listener good our our guy who's just like i don't want to hear about jeff's oysters anymore i'm like all of a sudden i'm just like <laughs> oh shit don't cast don't be mad cast i'm dying with you custom cast don't be worried so you just really the idea is is you don't even need an edge you don't need an edge. well there's two ways you don't need an edge you go into the butt. This is called butt shucking. Go, go back in the time in the knife talk. We talk about butt shucking. And then you just like crack it open. And then the curve of the oyster, the curve of the New Haven style gets you over the top. So you can kind of release the, 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 the muscle. There's another thing for, there's another type of oyster knife where for younger oysters who have a very uh, much more brittle shell, you kind of go through the side like a butter knife. You want to kind of go through the side because the hinges on the younger uh, farm-raised oysters are much more brittle, and they just dest- you can destroy them, and then you're you're ruining your oyster and get fill the shell and look like shit. Um, so there's two things. My suggestion would be stay away from carbon steel. That's just my opinion. I mean, if you're working with briny, saltwatery, seawatery oysters, why would you want to fuck around with you know rust? Uh, you know, a knife that can rust, which will rust mm-hmm. immediately. I like uh, I like 440C. I like uh, I haven't done any with AEBL, but I would imagine something with a, some nice toughness. The thing is, is like you. I'm sure any stainless will work, and any anything. Will work. I mean, my dad taught me how to open an oyster knife with a well, oyster with a screwdriver. You know, it's the it's it's you just don't need an edge. And yeah. then if you have a very sharp point, you're gonna break the point off anyway so you need it's like a blunt you have to think more of it like a kind of like a almost like a letter opener a letter opener is almost almost as much sharpness as you want well i'll ask it um i'll ask alexander and see what he says he's probably gonna say you're crazy but yeah and two edges two sides is better only because all of a sudden you for left hand and right hand i guess left hand and right hand don't matter but no you just flip them over yeah i've i've always seen them kind of like a dagger style yeah yeah. And get ready for when you give them the bill. Just number two. Because, I mean, oyster knives are the cheapest knives you can get. And when you fucking get him for a couple hundred dollars, watch him you know, choke down some oysters. He's going <laughs> to choke on his own oysters. Oh, his oysters are going to come back up into his ball sack and get nervous. <laughs> right. I'm going to do one more question, and then Jeff can tell us all about his grinders, and then we'll head off to an after show. Um, this one is very timely, actually. Um, so Justin uh, Stinson um hey guys uh question when making carbon steel canister damascus i see some smiths drill a vent hole in the can and others don't um which way is better and why now i wouldn't normally pick a question like this because obviously i don't i don't make canister damascus but i watched a video this week online um and it was our friend holly from loftus knives and she's doing like a collaboration video with somebody else that i follow which was which was weird to see the two these two worlds colliding um so um tempest guitars um daisy tempest um she's a luthier she makes these beautiful acoustic guitars um but she went to holly's place and she took a load of old guitar strings and they made canister canister damascus with these guitar strings um and holly did exactly this she she did a vent hole in there and um and they explained why. And I, and I was thinking, why are they? I couldn't understand why they were doing it, but they did explain why. And their reasoning is um, it's sort of to sort of relieve pressure. So when they, when they, they, they put a lot of pressure in there, um, you know, there, there's a bit of give, there's a, there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a gap. Um, so that, that was my sort of 
That would that would have been my answer. And the only reason I know that is because of Holly this week. Holly and Daisy, they did this amazing video. So um, if you haven't seen that, go and take a look. So it's on Daisy's YouTube channel. She's Daisy Tempest. Um, as a, she makes these beautiful acoustic guitars, but she's with in Holly's place this week, making it's a two-part video where they make it. They're making a, a Damascus steel knife. So she's actually Holly's actually the only other host of Knife Talk. She is actually yes, the only other host we've ever had. Yeah, we were away and she did like a special, like a one-off, yeah. a one-off show for us. Yeah, and she yeah. won't come back. <laughs> like I, I like that's the that's the crazy part. Like I've I've I I said when are you going to come on a full blast? I want to talk to you. I don't want to, you don't want to, you don't, you don't want to, I'm not interested. And I'm just like, well, what the fuck? You know, come on, man. <laughs> and like, Holly. And, and I said, all right, I'll stop. I'll stop asking. And then she's, you know, but uh, Holly's, Holly's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I Go would, take a look um, at that video too, because yeah, it is awesome to see her working. And the other video to get is uh, Jason Knight's Forge series. Uh, our friend Jason Knight, he did uh, a, yes, the second series is with um, Steve Schwarzer. And Steve Schwarzer does the entire, the entire series is about Canister Damascus. Mm. And he explains how he does it, why he does it, and he, why he drills the holes. I don't remember. I, didn't, I watched it a while ago, but I think it was just whatever Craig said. And, um, yeah, I would definitely highly recommend, especially now that uh, uh, Jason's going through what he's going through, you want to support him, get yourself, get yourself a, uh, the, his online series is very good. And rumor has it, he's coming in full blast this week. So nice, nice. Yeah, we'll find out what's going on with him. Okay, cool. I think we've answered that quite comprehensively. Uh, Jeff, tell me about your grinder system. Yo, I'm using the Broadback Ironworks 2x72 grinder. It is the best. Vertical, horizontal, all the different platens, all the different attachments. I love it. It's made by knife makers for knife makers, woodworkers, sculptors, anybody who's making anything. You're gonna take off a little bit of steel or a little bit of wood, or you make some sawdust. You can get yourself one of them Broadback Ironworks. If you go to BroadbackIronworks.com, you put in the promo code Knife Talk 200, get two hundred dollars off all of their grinder packages. They have series of packages. And they're all good prices, and you can get $200 off that. Or if you're looking for a leather sewing machine or a uh, surface grinder or a sharp, their new sharpening system, which is dynamite, if you put a Knife Talk 100, you're going to get $100, $100 off of either one of those. So go get yourself one of the best in the game. I love my Broadback Ironworks grinders. I've been using them, I've been using them like, like, a, like dogs, and they are just, they never let me down. So BroadbackIronworks.com. There you go. Thank you all for listening. Um, We shall speak to you all again next week, where all three of us are back, I believe. Speak to you then. Okay, after show. Here we go. (laughs) All right, that was fucking. We we were like we were like on the money. I mean, that was like everyone's. I'm gonna get messages like you guys were so harried. I'm like, well, before we hit record, we were like, we've got a lot to get through, and we'll 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 do our best if we can. And we we did it. We did it. We did a good job. No, we did a good job. I tell you what, I I have a couple of funny things I wanted to talk to you about. Um, One is, is like one of the big news stories in the United States right now is the price of eggs. Apparently, I don't know if if this is happening by you, um, but uh, let me find this um, mess. I have, uh, I have uh, egg prices. So, Mm. 
somebody was ta- somebody i got somebody who's talking about you know i see memes of like these chickens with like gold chains on and stuff like that <laughs> and it's the rising cost of eggs in the united states is denting household budgets americans in recent years have been uh have increased numbers of eggs they consume while reducing the intake of beef and venison uh, egg consumption has uh grown part because the more families are eating them uh what the fuck wow i wonder okay. if that's due to i mean we keep chickens here, so we, we get our own eggs. But this time of the year, we don't get them. So we, we buy very few eggs a year. Um, so I'm sure the reason would be um, chicken feed has gone crazy. Well, like, here's Like everything going, else has gone crazy, you know. Here's what's going on now. As demand for eggs has risen, production in the U.S. has slumped because of an ongoing bird or avian flu epidemic. Uh-huh. Nearly 58 million birds have been infested with avian flu as of January 6th making the deadliest outbreak in U.S. history. Infected birds must be slaughtered, causing egg supplies to fall and prices to surge. Egg prices in December rose 60% from a year earlier, according to Consumer Index. Uh, An uh, an egg was... uh, uh, The price for a dozen large eggs was... uh, Grade A eggs was $4.25 last month. Um, uh, Last month, according to the figures. I've seen... I personally have seen uh, 18 packs for... uh, dozens for seven bucks uh, in some states you can even be hard to find eggs in the shelves but egg supplies overall are holding up because the total flock of egg laying hens is down uh, sharp prices says uh, will not fall sharp says uh, they say the prices will likely not fall again until after new chickens are born without the infestation growing um, and having them being egg laying age mm. so this is like a big problem so here's here's what was interesting uh, and then in New York grocery store owner uh, uh, Jose Felipe says the soaring egg costs have caused many customers to change their spending habits. I've seen customers uh, gravitate from buying organic eggs to now more conventional eggs, uh, specifically now half dozen. Uh, now the half dozen prices have quadrupled in the past seven months. So what's interesting is is how this is going to affect your regular people. Because hmm. in the United States, like breakfast eggs are, my, I mean, that's probably the number one time when pe- people are buying eggs. I'm not talking about yeah. like buying bread and cakes and shit like that. Yeah, but like yeah. you are ordering bacon, egg, and cheese, and you're having eggs. And the egg consumption in the United States is super duper high. And it's a lot of it's middle class you know, people who the rich people are going to be okay with paying ten bucks a dozen eggs. Yeah, yeah. But it's like the mom and you know the you know truck drivers who just want to you know fart in their seats and eat egg, <laughs> eggs and sausage <laughs> sandwiches. It's gonna you know how much were you willing to pay? Yeah, yeah. And it, well, I mean, to think of it. It's only what. So there was a big cull of all these chickens. Right. I think it, I think it's seventeen, eighteen weeks before uh, a chick before they start laying. Um, so yeah, yeah, could have seventeen, eighteen weeks of expensive eggs, I suppose. Um, but yeah, like, like you said, it's not just the just that you know the egg as a product. It's the amount of things that you know eggs are used for, and it is like a binding agent in things and all right. sorts. You know. And yeah. it makes you wonder these, you know, restaurant, the restaurant game is, is the mark, your food costs are your, are where it, you can't, you die, you know? Yeah. And, and it's yeah. like all of a sudden something so basic. And it makes me also wonder, I'm sure that some people are being like, well, I can, you know, obviously a lot of people are not too worried about, all right, eggs, the egg prices go up. I mean, they were more worried about gas prices going up. 
Mm. What would you, and I started to think about, well, you know, if I have to give up eating eggs for a while, I don't mind giving up eating eggs. And it made me wonder, I got a feeling that there's going to be a lot of things in the future that are going to be like, okay, not going to be eaten. Like there was a scare that you can't eat avocados for a while because we're going to have a problem with avocados, the price of avocados or something like that. What could you give up in your daily thing? And I'm going to ask you some, I'm going to ask you some questions and be serious. Okay. Be serious. Okay. Yeah. Could you give up drinking coffee? Because it's the price right now for like, I mean, I know some people pay, I mean, I've seen people pay $20 a, a pound. For co- yeah. I mean, coffee's not cheap. No. I, I only have one cup a day. Um, and I enjoy that so much. Me too. And I, I, oh. I, I mean, I could, obviously, if I had to. I'm sure I'd get some sort of withdrawals from it because the times when I haven't, uh, you know, had a coffee, uh, later on in the day I've got a bit of a headache and I'm like, why, why is this happening? You know, like, oh, I didn't have a coffee this morning. So I'm pretty sure that, you know, I would feel it for a few days, but I wouldn't want to, no. No, you wouldn't want to, but let's just say, argument's sake, there's a... Uh whatever tariffs or whatever there's some reason like all of a sudden you can't get coffee anymore yeah yeah could you give it up for me i mean i'm really coffee for me i only drink one cup during the day and then whatever's like i'll make coffee in the morning for me and my wife and then whatever's left in the pot i'll pour it in a travel cup and bring it to the shop and just drink it throughout the day but I could go without it. So when you say you only have one coffee a day, that's three you've mentioned. Well, you know, I've started to realize I used to only have one cup, but the only, well, I didn't want to go to waste. And yeah. but the only reason why, the only reason why I was getting coffee, honestly, honestly, was to stimulate my bowels. Like that was like, <laughs> I needed to get on a Peloton without, with like an emptied out. So I'm like, I got my coffee down the hatch by quarter to five. Wow. I need to make sure you have a full evacuated cloaca before before <laughs> I get on that bike because I don't want to be on that bike like clenched. Yeah, I could give it up. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I wouldn't want. There's other things I'd give up first, but if I had to, I'm yeah, I'm sure I could. All right, you ready? Yeah. Chocolate. Could you give up chocolate? Yes, yes. I do love chocolate and I eat far too much. But I can I can go four or five days without realizing that I haven't had chocolate. It's got no it's got no physical effect on me if I don't. Oh, so, so you, you judge these things that as a physical effect? Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'd I'd miss it. I I do love chocolate, but yeah, like I said, I can go four or five days and think, Oh, I fancy some chocolate today. I haven't had some in a while. So if that was 10 days, if that was 20 days, or when it went on and on, I'm sure I'd be fine. I could give it up right now. I'm never having the rest of my life. I'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I, yeah, I think I'd be all right. Yeah. The coffee thing, back to the caffeine thing, when I was redoing our, I was redoing our kitchen, I, I, I was at a job that was like stressful. And I, for some reason, this is, you know, over 10, 15, you know, 12, 15 years ago. I started drinking monster energy drinks Oof. and I called, I referred to them as the time machine because once you drink one, it's like time changes. Like it's weird. It's like all of a sudden it's like, Oh, the day's over. This is awesome. So I wouldn't even call it monster. I'm going to call it the time machine. And then when I was redoing the kitchen, my wife, my wife was like, wanted it done. And she knew that she would, when she got the groceries, there would be a case of our <laughs> four monster. pack of monster. <laughs> 
And then if I was in the, if I was, there would be certain moments where there would just be this hand coming through this like tarp with that monster. And she'd give me the monster and I got just like the whip, just like keep you going. Just like, yeah, it was like fill the car, you know, you know, got to change the tires you fill the car. There was a moment where I was easily consuming four monster energy drinks a day to get like the kitchen done. And I was a fucking mental patient, but I would time machine times four. And I was, I knew it was bad for me, but it was just like, once I, once we finished the kitchen, I'm just like, I'm done with this fucking monster. I just don't need to be this efficient and jacked up. It's just, it's unreasonable. It's too much sugar, too much caffeine. The headaches I got from not having caffeine Mm. were the worst I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Withdrawal from caffeine. Yeah. And I don't think people, don't think people realize, I mean, I said one cup of coffee a day. If I have maybe three in a day, I'll have a terrible headache. But if well, I don't have any, I'll have a terrible headache. And that'll last four or five, up to, four or five days up to a week before they, they'd sort of subside, you know, if I wanted to wean off completely. Um, yeah, one is my, that's what, that's, that, that keeps me balanced. And just to let you know, I thought we, my wife and I drink dark roast coffee thinking that that's yeah. just higher octane. Well, that's not the case. Henry Hyde sent me some high-octane, light-roast Baltimore coffee that was delicious. Mm. Sent me delicious coffee from Baltimore. I swear to God, I thought my fucking face was going to fly at him. I thought my eyeballs were going to blow out. <laughs> it was the, the caffeine levels. Of this, I drank a, a pot of it. I thought I was going to fucking... I thought I was going to have a fucking... I thought I was going to collapse. Yeah. I was crazed, totally crazed. Here in France, the way they have their coffee is... You could, yeah, you could stand a spoon in it, you know? It's strong as hell. Okay, next thing that you can give up. You're prepared. You have the two for easy eggs, no problem. We don't want any eggs anymore. Alcohol. What if you couldn't drink alcohol? Could you give it up? For good. Yeah, I think I, I do think I could. I'm drinking less and less and less every year. Um, simply because, it, again, it's down to the effects on me. I Two, three beers... And I feel it the next day, right? Like badly, badly. Um, so when I do have, um, but I mean, wine's different. Actually, I can drink a lot more wine than beer, I suppose. But um, yeah, I think, I think, I think I could. I think I could. I th- when I was younger, I, it would be more of a social thing, right? And you know, you'd be out with your friends, you'd all be having beers and all the rest of it. That happens far less now. Um, so most of the alcohol that I drink would be sort of just wine in the house. Um, and I, again, it's, it's, it's like coffee. I enjoy it. I wouldn't want to give it up, but I think I could. What if there was like some sort of tariff and all of a sudden they sent to the, all right, guys, no more beer, no more beer in France. Yeah. Okay. Would you be able to, would you, you'd be, you'd go crazy, but here's the thing. I think I could give up. Okay. Then when you say alcohol or beer, you know, if it's just beer, I think I could give that up easily. Easily, like today. Somebody saying, yeah, I'd be like, okay. A little bit gutted, but uh, yeah, that's fine. Um, but as I've got older, I think wine I'd struggle with. Um, just, just, you know, takes the edge off, you know, yeah. nice, some nice food and, you know. I'm starting to finally get out of Christmas guts. My Christmas <laughs> gut, my, you know what I'm saying? Like holiday Christmas guts, like I'm starting our, to like. Our house is still full of christmas indulges because we we went away like the day after christmas we went skiing um and we sort of forgot that before christmas because we was just like we just need to get to that line of christmas we all the stuff we bought in and um 
the cupboards are still full of of shit. And um, <laughs> funny, again, I was talking to this with my wife earlier. It's like, would it be worse for you if you just like had it all in one day? Shit it all out. It's out of your system. Or do you think this slow graze over a month is probably worse for you, I'm thinking? Um, so I've I've got a birthday coming up very soon. So I think on my birthday, I think I'll just have a massive blowout and f- from the next day, clean living. That's that's my plan. I'm going to tell you a couple of things. Number one is back to coffee. If I had to ask this question to my wife, you couldn't have coffee, she would say that's impossible. Like <laughs> she, I mean, she's just like, there's just no way. There's no way. Completely life, but... no way. Booze, yeah. no problem. I've I actually I feel a million times better when I'm not boobs. Booze. Boo? Boobs. I oh, can't right. give okay. up. I cannot give boobs. <laughs> I can't give up. I mean I'm here with you right now. <laughs> I'm a, su- the I'm a sucker for those time. boobs. <laughs> oh, so you, I'm here with you. You and Morocco are the two biggest boobs I know. I'm with you. But well, um the worst part about the Christmas grays is you usually towards the end. It's all the dregs. It's yeah. all the, like, we have. <laughs> the enjoyment's we get, gone. <laughs> my wife gets sent all these things from, like, for medical stuff. We get, like, candy boxes and, like, chocolate boxes. And, we got, and she gets, like, a, she'll, she'll take a bag, a Ziploc bag, and she'll mm. shove it all in there. And then at the end of dinner, she just brings the Ziploc bag to the table, and we just kind of stick our hands in there. And we are now on fumes. It's like the, it's like the candy that's, like, chocolate covered cherries and the bullshit like that yeah. it's like yeah. chocolate with orange orange cream dipped chocolate bullshit and you're yeah. eating it and you're just like this doesn't even taste good this is yeah. this is like i'm this is i don't even want to eat this shit bad so. calories because you're not really getting enjoyment from it and i think if you're getting lots of enjoyment from eating something that's bad for you I, i'm all right with that but it's when yeah like you said when you're eating something that's bad for you and you're not particularly enjoying it it's just yeah okay bad calories Let's say mad cow disease strikes back. No beef. <clears throat> and I want a I, ranking order of all the things. I've, I want a ranking order of which is the hardest of them all. Yeah. No beef. You can have chicken. I, you can have fish. No beef. Yeah. I'd, I would struggle. Because I, again, this is something I've given some thought to over the past few years. Because, you know, red meat, you know, it's not particularly good for you. And I'm thinking, I don't think I'd become a vegetarian because... I don't like a lot of vegetables. Right. Um, so, uh, no, I love Clearly. chicken. Yeah, I, I could. <laughs> uh, I love chicken. I'm thinking, yeah, I could I could just do chicken. But then it's, it's that bolognese. Yeah, that bolognese that's got me. That's one thing these, you know, I tell you, you know what the worst part about not eating meat is, is when you label yourself. My kid doesn't eat a lot of meat. Oh, she wants a hamburger every so and I, I don't consider myself vegetarian or vegan. I mean, we... we you're using expressions like plant-based because you're just like, every so often, my kid says to me, he's like, don't you want a hamburger? I'm like, yeah, I want a fucking hamburger. Or you want a steak? Let's get a steak. We don't normally eat it very often. I told yeah. my kid, I said, don't call yourself a vegetarian or vegan because your friends are going to make fun of you. And it, you're not really, you're not pigeonholed in that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't had beef. The only times I ever have beef now are if we're at a restaurant and I'm just like, yo. I'm not bringing it home. It was no one else going to eat it, and I want to fucking stay. I went to, before I went to a Knicks game. I went, we went to a steakhouse. I had a fucking steak. It was delicious. Yeah, but that's like if thing, I had, to, it's that's that that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Nice glass of red wine, some beef. It's got this certain yeah. warmth and like oh, oh gluttony. 
Yeah. It's oomph to mumph, I call it. It's just like the oomph to mumph. Oomph to mumph. It's like a real sort of. <laughs> I fucking love oomph to mumph. I can, I, can, I can feel it, you know? It it, it warms you up. And is, is, you know, particularly with the red wine, too, it's all just is, ugh, is the oomph, richness of it all. Is oomph to mumph kind of like nut to butt? I don't know what nut to butt is. When you that... see two people on a you see two people on a motorcycle and one guy's <laughs> on the back <laughs> butt to nut. <laughs> or if, if, if you're in the line that's too long, you say, God damn, this line's so long, I'm nut to butt with this guy over here. <laughs> that says no. to mumph. I love him um, to mumph. It's it's completely made up phrase that my wife and I have, we've said for years. But it's that it's that when you've got something that's really rich and indulgent, it's like oh oomph to mumph, you know? <laughs> I'll never remember it, but I wish I would. It sounds it sounds French, but it's not. Oomph <laughs> you know? to mumph is fucking oomph awesome. Oomph to mumph, yeah. All right. So of all um, the things so I I'd mentioned, struggle. what would be what would be the one thing you'd have the hardest time with? Oh I do think beef, sadly. Wow. Sadly. More than coffee, more than booze. Yeah. I do, yeah. More than chocolate. Uh, uh, chocolate, I, 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 I could easily do, I think. I don't think that would be such a thing. Damn. Um, wow. Alcohol, I'm surprised. I Again, I'd struggle because, I'd, you know, there's yeah, a lot of enjoyment. Nice of yeah, yeah. You know, I don't get drunk these days. Yeah. I, you know, we'd have a couple. But, yeah. but um, oomph to yeah, I think beef. I think beef and the old oomph to mumph. Wow. Yeah. Beef yeah. is the hardest one for you to give up. I think so. Yeah. Wow. Do you have we, good beef where you live? Uh, well, we we live in the Limousin, and so oh. the Limousin cow is... Oomph to mumph. exactly. We the live in the, wait a second, I gotta go back. Oh, well, we live in the Limousin. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> the Limousin, so they're, they're famous in France. It's, it's like the, the beef producing region, so they got these famous sort of golden cows. and you, They're everywhere. Every, I, if, I, if I even looked out the window, there's golden cows everywhere. Um, and yeah, it's it's a little quite. What famous. makes them golden? Just their color? Yeah, yeah, the color. Yeah. Can yeah. you imagine the the hey Diego Le Pen, can you imagine the fucking coin <laughs> slot you could make with the with the fucking golden cloaca? <laughs> golden cow <laughs> coin slot. You imagine that one? Oh my god. High ticket value. <laughs> but you know what's crazy about French cooking, the French beef? Is yeah. they're obsessed with the rump steak. They call it the yes. rump steak all the time. And when we buy steak over here, they're always ready to cut the fat off. And I'm always like, whoa, 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 leave, leave, yeah. leave that fat on. And on, they man. look at me as if like, what the hell? I'm like, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, like over Christmas, we bought like we bought a few like sort of big sort of ribs, you know, sort of four ribs. I don't mean four ribs, I mean like four ribs. Yeah. Um, we bought a few of them because we had guests and all the rest of it. And um, they're always trimming everything off them. I'm just like, whoa, whoa, keep it easy. Arrête, arrête, allons-y. Ça suffit, huh? Come on, Is that man. French? Yeah. Oomph the mump, motherfucker. Oomph the mump. What are you doing? Don't touch my fat, you fucker, you. Oh. He's if Craig wants the fat. Oomph exactly. the mump. It's all the fat. God damn. I think that's a good way to end the show. Oomph to mumph. Oomph to mumph, everybody. We shall speak to you again next week. Bye for now. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, 
visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.